Hello and welcome to the Diction Police. This week, Jason, Nadecki, and I will be talking about the text to Sound the Trumpet, set by Purcell, focusing on the diphthongs in English, as well as unstressed open I and glottals. There are two versions of episode 86, the full video tutorial or the audio version for people who prefer to listen to podcasts while they're out and about. As the seasons change and it's getting colder, and for some of us, darker much earlier, I just wanted to talk about a simple way to stay healthy. As singers slash coaches, most of us do hydrate, that is, drink water, a lot, which is of course one of the best things to do, but we often forget how much sleep can also help fight off illness. Especially when we have a lot to do, for example, finals or juries coming, audition season, Christmas and holiday gigs to prepare for. It's really important to be sure that we get enough sleep to stay healthy. Plus, there have been tons of studies proving that sleep is one of the best aids to learning. So it's sometimes possible to get even more accomplished if we get that extra hour of sleep in or an afternoon nap. I'll make sure to post some articles with those sleep studies at the Facebook page this week. For more information about today's contributor, Jason Nadecki, or for the accompanying PDF of this text, which includes an IPA transcription and poetic and word-for-word translations into German and French, please visit www.dictionpolice.com. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or Twitter at Diction Police. Sound the trumpet till around you make the listening shores rebound. On the sprightly Oatboy play, all the instruments of joy that skillful numbers can employ to celebrate the glories of this day. In Sound the Trumpet, we, we pretty much have every diphthong that's possible in the English language, right? There are a lot of them, that's for sure, yes. Starting with the first word. Sound. In that diphthong, we transcribe it with a bright A, and then the flying U, the U with wings, the open U. There is another diphthong that we also get in this piece that starts with the bright A, in sprightly. We show that one with bright A and then open These are the only two instances in the English language where the bright A is used. Mm -hmm. Bright A is never a monophthong in the English accents that you'd be apt to sing in (laughs) standard American or British English. So that is, ah, is only ever found when it goes on in the form of a diphthong. So we have ow and I but we never say on its own bright ah. Right, we want to say it's a darker one, and and actually, oddly enough, there are no regular just ah vowels in this text. Not in this one, but that's the father vowel that we're talking about. Right. And the second part of the diphthong in, in each of these instances is also an open vowel and not a closed one, which is one of the biggest differences between other languages, right? Because we go to opener diphthongs than other languages. Yes, the off-glides, as some people call them, of diphthongs, are generally open in English. They don't close down, like, for example, an equivalent of I in German, or a parallel would be I, as in mein, which most people agree goes to a closed E. Exactly. In English, 
we don't head to closed vowels. We head to these kind of open guys, exactly. as in ow, I, sprightly. Or then we also have a, make. That also goes from closed A to open I. Mm -hmm. And our closed A in English is not the closed A that I always think about in German, right? That's right. When we have this closed A in English, it always is a diphthong and is not as closed as in German or French. Similarly, the closed O in English, like in oat boy, that kind of ancient way of saying oboe that right. we get in this piece, is closed O followed by the flying U, the open U. Then that word, there are two diphthongs. Yes, so in the second part, boy, like joy, we have an open O and the I. Back to these um, closed A and O in English. They're always diphthongs. And again, it's the only time we see a closed A and a closed O, as closed as it is in English, which is, again, not as tight or tense as in German or French. Mm -hmm. Like the bright A, we don't see closed A and closed O as monophthongs in English. They only exist in diphthong. A, A, and O do not get pronounced. Those three do not get pronounced on their own. Right. They only go on to other vowels. And they go on to sort of open, off-glidey sounds. That's right. Ow, I, A, O. Another word that has that, that open O to the I diphthong is employ. And I wanted to talk about this in regards to the first syllable of the word. Right. Many prefixes and suffixes in the British English tend toward an open I. So that's the open capital I. That's right. And that's the case of employ, where most British speakers would realize that like an open ear. Can employ, not can employ. That was just about to be my question. We don't want to have an open epsilon E in that syllable? It's not wrong. It's definitely not wrong. You can do it. It just gives a bit of weight to the first syllable, which I'm not sure we want. It's an unstressed syllable. And it isn't what the majority of British speakers would do. Okay. Again, it's less of an issue in speech because it goes by so quickly. You know, we'd say, can employ. Well, what is that? Is that a? Is that I? Is that a? If it were to be dissected and put under a microscope, most British speakers would realize that as I, employ. The same as they would with rebound, not rebound or rebound. Especially not rebound. That gives it too much stress if you have that prefix syllable that's not stressed to have a closed I sound, right? That re. It does. And in a way, these prefixes and suffixes, these weak syllables at beginnings and ends of words that are represented more often than not traditionally with the open I in British English, are a bit like schwa in that it's a concept vowel. It isn't a fixed pronunciation. For example, in a stressed syllable like this, we can really quantify that sound as I. Or even till at the, in the first line. We also have it there. And listening. Listening, yes. Then skillful and this. Those there's no dispute. We know that's open ear. When it comes in a prefix or a suffix, it may close a little bit from that 
model sound. We do have it here in a suffix in glories. Glories, yes. <laughs> Which in British English is more open than in North American English in general. And especially when you look back a ways, the further back you go, the more open that vowel is. If you approach an educated older British speaker, they're very likely to say glories, where a younger educated speaker may tend to close that a bit more to glories. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not fully closed, long stressed E, I still like to use this E symbol with the knowledge, sort of the underlying idea that it may not be as open as our model stressed E is in till or listening or this. Because it's not stressed. I mean, basically, we're following the one basic rule of most languages, which is that anything that's unstressed will necessarily be slightly less open or closed than something that is a stressed syllable. Yes. I think that applies to these glories, glories, glories. <laughs> yes, exactly. And also, I, I just saw another one, sprightly. Sprightly. Yes, traditionally, we say that those Y endings are open. Right. Especially in British English. So that you don't need to sing a fully closed E on sprightly. It gets a little too tight to say sprightly, oat, and then we have so many sounds to make. Right. On the sprightly oat boy play. So sprightly. And the more open you make it, the more <laughs> old-fashioned, upper, sort of elevated kind of posh accent you have. Well, and even just the word sprightly sounds very old-fashioned to us anyway. Yes. This isn't language we use every day. Right. But I noticed, too, that, that we're, we should make that really aspirate T in the middle of it, right? Yeah, that will be a change for us North American speakers who would say sprightly. Right, we would swallow that. Yeah, sprightly, sprightly. You know what? I think that that would take a bit of thought to get that in. Yeah. Sprightly. Yeah, it must be a fully articulated T. Yeah, because otherwise uh, there's not really a word, sprightly. Sprightly, right. Yeah. And that's how you would say it on this side of the ocean, that's for sure, on the sprightly oboe, oat boy. Exactly. <laughs> on, on the sprightly oat boy. Mm -hmm. And again, oat boy. Oat boy, yep. Oat boy needs to yeah. be realized as that aspirate T. Aspirated T. Okay, so since we were talking about the open eyes in those unstressed syllables, we also have an open U in the word instruments. And again, I know my brain goes back and forth as to whether I would think of that as instrument or instrument, whether it should be a closed U. You could argue closed U. You could also argue schwa, instruments. Because this gets a bit of a... Uh, an elongation, all the instruments, instruments. We have to pay attention to it because it's definitely going to be heard. Exactly. So, instruments, instruments. Yeah, and especially, yeah. I think, because it's also a lower tone, almost that, that yeah. open U feels like it would have more, more depth to it as opposed right. to the schwa. I suppose it shouldn't be too emphasized. That's the crucial thing in this, that the stress syllable is the first one. So that can have a nice glottal on it. All the instruments, 
and that you don't put a lot of weight on the second and third syllables. Right. When it comes to glottals, we really do need a glottal when the word before it is the, the or the. I mean, it's got to be the because it starts with a vowel. So if we have that, I guess I should say too, before a vowel, we would always say the. It would never be the instruments. Although right. in casual speech, sometimes you do hear that. More and more, I think we hear that, yes. Are we with the orchestra tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it should definitely be the before a vowel for the definite article. It should definitely be an for the indefinite article. With an N afterwards. Yes, exactly. You'd say the instrument, an instrument, not the instrument or a instrument. And then usually there would be a glottal, yes. Now here, just thinking of the, the setting, all the instru, you can join, you can link it through. It wouldn't be wrong to do all the instruments instead of all the instruments. Both are right. Okay. Because it's legato. It's not wrong. It's never wrong to remove a glottal or not to do a glottal in English. It's just a heck of a lot clearer when you start to put them in. Right. Uh, and suddenly the text has a bit more life and is intelligible in the hall when you're listening because important syllables are are given a bit of weight. Right, they're basically pointed out for you. You hear a split second of silence so that you really hear the sound then. Exactly. In this one we could do till around. We could do, well, initial ones, on. Don't be afraid of those. On the sprightly oat boy. It doesn't have to be on. Right. Old. That's a nice, clear articulation to start. Exactly. And really, when they're at the beginnings of lines, they're articulations, aren't they? Like an oat boy would tongue a note for ta, for a bit of articulation, on. And actually, since you're saying oat boy, actually between sprightly oat boy. That calls for it, doesn't it? And I would say just to carry on our French liaison, since the word H-A-U-T in French could not take a liaison, we could actually have an actual grammatical and historical pronunciation reason to actually make the glottal after sprightly oat boy. Yes, yes. That's, one. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a very academic way to look at it, but it's certainly true. Le haut bois. <laughs> exactly. Also, because it's an archaic use of the word it's not something we get every day. So to highlight it or put it into in between quotations as much as possible lifts it in a way. On the sprightly oat boy play. Yeah. Yeah. Sprightly oat boy. It's just so, it gets mumbled. Even a, a native English speaker would have a hard time discerning that because it's not, it's not uh, vocabulary we have every day. Well, exactly. I was just going to say the oat boy, we, we don't even call it that nowadays. We call it an no. oboe, so we won't recognize yes. the word anyway. In the next line, all the instruments, if we do it there, we don't necessarily want to set off the word of, because of is just a preposition, right? We could connect that. We could. It could go either way. Again, we could have instruments of joy or instruments of joy. Right. The second one I put a little glottal in. Right. The way that the phrase moves, da -da 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 -da, he ascends through that arpeggio to, to the word joy on the top note. So you want very definitely to go to joy. So you could argue that you could link it through instruments of joy. 
Right. And uh, I guess the next chance we would have would be can employ, which we've already, already talked about slightly. Can employ. Mm -hmm. Or can employ. It's never a rule, as I said, to put a glottal in. But there, I think, it really makes it clearer. Exactly. And the last opportunity we would have would be the glories of this day. Yep, you can do one there too. Glories of this day. Or glories of this day. You may opt not to do it there because it, it highlights a, a weak preposition. So it is definitely a choice. And you have to weigh what makes it clearer against what may put emphasis in a place you don't necessarily desire it. Right, and also what might disturb the vocal line. Yeah, to celebrate the glories of this, glories of this day. I might go through that one. What you don't want to have happen, though, if you decide to go through, is glories of, with a big fat Z linking on. Right. Because then it sounds like the next word begins in Z instead of in O. You need to think of it as being the end of the word before it and just happening to connect it. As opposed to, as in other languages, as opposed to yeah. connecting that consonant to the next word that happens. Right, so you would do a little z, glories of this day, not glories of this. Don't punch and elongate the z. We talked about diphthongs at the beginning of the interview, and one of the things we said was that this is our only chance to get closed E and O. Many people try to sing that primary vowel of the A diphthong to open. Somehow we think that all phonetic E's in English are open, but that's only true when they stand alone in a stressed syllable without the diphthong, as in the first syllable of celebrate. But if you say celebrate, using that same open eh sound in both the first and last syllable, it ends up sounding a little more like My Fair Lady than art song. So in words like make, play, and day, make sure that the primary vowel is the more closed lowercase e and not make, play, and day. Using the closed vowel has the added advantage of keeping the vowels better in line, a. It also improves the legato and keeps us from chewing on the diction quite so much as a. One of the major shifts from American standard to British received pronunciation is when a dark a turns into the open o, as we get here in the word all, a-l-l, or all. In the sentence, all the instruments of joy, all is repeated. Rather than singing the brighter sound of all, 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 it's much better here to use this open O, getting a warmer, rounder sound, all, 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 all. Another major shift, and slightly more difficult to remember, is when the dark A becomes the upside-down dark A, which is really the short O in English, as we see here with the word of, or of. I say that this one is more difficult to remember because of is such a small word that we often don't realize that we're saying it. In the phrases, all the instruments of joy, and at the end, to celebrate the glories of this day, we have two ofs. And especially in this last one, 
That darker upside down ah will really help keep the vowels in the voice in line because here the two voice parts land together on a longer note, finally, specifically on the word of. And for any non-native English speakers, this word of always is pronounced with a voiced V at the end. If that voiced consonant were unvoiced, it would sound like the word off, O-F-F. In a duet, or in any group really, these are the kinds of things that need to line up. If one voice is singing slightly brighter or more open vowels, the effect of the duet is lost. Something else that needs to be discussed is how to handle the final D in the words sound and rebound. With the voices in exact harmony and with rests after each of these words, it's necessary to plan on which beat you want to place the final consonant. And then it's also necessary to use a shadow vowel to make sure that that D stays a voiced consonant. Remember that final B, D, and G are the consonants that can take a shadow vowel in English. So it's not sound, rebound, but sound and rebound. Rather than thinking of the shadow vowel as a schwa, I find it best to think of that shadow vowel as an unstressed open I. Somehow, this shadow vowel seems to keep the position of the voice higher and avoids having to reset to start the next phrase. Sound the trumpet till around you make the listening shores rebound. On the sprightly oat boy play all the instruments of joy that skillful numbers can employ to celebrate the glories of this day. This interview with Jason Nadecki was conducted by Ellen Rissinger. The accompanying phonetic transcription is by Ellen Rissinger and Jason Nadecki. This has been the Diction Police Special Diction Unit, a production of Singing Diction GBR.